You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. This is episode 111 of Retired Racehorse Radio on the Horse Radio Network, part of Equine Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products and Cashel Company. Retired Racehorse Radio is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse. Brought to you in cooperation with the Retired Racehorse Project and New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program. The 2023 Thoroughbred Makeover is a month away, and I gasp. And we have Kirsten Green, Executive Director of the RRP, joining us to give us all the stats on the horses who will be coming. And speaking of competitors, Melissa Mateson joins us again to share an update on her makeover hopeful. And we wrap up with Leander Cooper from New Vocations with a training tip and adoptable horse of the week. Stay tuned. And they're off on Retired Racehorse Radio, the podcast that is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse. This is Joy Orr in Detroit, Michigan. And this is Kristen Kovach-Bentley in Jamestown, New York, and you're listening to Retired Racehorse Radio. Kristen, I, for one, I'm still kind of sore from our (laughs) together. Uh, which sounds wildly wow. inappropriate. But <laughs> I was like, whoa. To, to okay. add context. <laughs> uh, listeners, I took me and my boyfriend Zach over to Kristen's house for a what we jokingly called the Yellowstone weekend because it was English people going <laughs> ranching. Um, and it was a lot of fun, but I do not ride horses longer than an hour. So oh. that was that yeah, was a, a big change for me, but it was so much fun to learn about cattle ranching and get more of a Western experience. Oh, we had such a good time. And yeah, like it's one of those like, oh, time flies. And that's what ends up happening to us all the time. We're like, we're just going out for a ride. And then we're like, oh, it's dark now. So yeah, you got the full experience. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We had a lovely time. So Joy got to ride Wes, uh, our little standard bread. And Zach got to ride him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Yeah. One, he loved everything you were doing. He's like, I am dressage and, you know, went strutting happily across the pasture. He was so excited to have a big Sunday trot and a big canter. I was like, you want to go down the center line so bad. Did you get a collected trot? Because the thing is, is that's just his trot. (laughs) He's just like, I'm just, I actually (laughs) did. It took a little bit, but he seemed happy with it. And then I let him get explosive again. And I was like, oh, you would be so much fun to work with. Yeah, he's got a lot of like flair in his <laughs> movements. He's just like, look at me. Yeah, yeah, he's a he's a fun little bean. And then, uh, yeah, Zach rode Gandalf, our Irish sport draft, and had I think he had fun. He seemed oh to my have gosh, fun. Zach had a blast. And I think horses are becoming his new personality. We did buy him a helmet, so we'll Ooh. see. What'd you get him? Uh, we got Novation. Uh, nice. I said we're gonna start small, but he's obsessed with all the big name brands now, and he wants to get all the shirts. He wants to get breeches. We just got socks. Um, nice. I'm asking him to commit to a couple riding lessons before we commit to a new wardrobe. But- e- well, yeah, probably a good call. <laughs> no, but we I- had fun. So like, yes. yeah, Zach and I started out like together. So I gave him a couple of tips to get him started. And then Eric, you know, was out riding shorty. And then Eric and I sort of swapped. So Eric gave mm-hmm. him like sort of his perspective <laughs> and probably a much simpler version of instructions than what I was trying to to give him and then i turn around and the two of them are just like out jogging well then it just the became a horse husband's weekend we were just yeah, accessories they, just, they had a grand time yeah oh yeah they <laughs> made us breakfast on was that sunday yes. saturday one morning yeah, they made I don't us know. pancakes yeah you and i got hung out and drank coffee and they made us pancakes so that was awesome that was awesome uh, <laughs> we had 
We had a great time. We rode horses and ate a lot of food. Ate a lot of food. Um, literally the best brisket I've ever had. So DM Kristen for Eric's recipe because, oh my gosh, <laughs> the best yeah, brisket I mean, I've ever had. The secret ingredient there is that it has to be your own farm-raised beef. So, you know, not going to So not everyone brag, start getting brag. your cows now. Yep. <laughs> yeah, we had we had fun. Yeah, we moved cows around. Uh, you guys did a little roping, which Joy was quite good at. Um, which is shocking because I was sweating and anxious the entire time. Like my full on performance anxiety was kicking in. Oh, you look great. I'm not sure what Zach was doing. He was doing some sort of elaborate, like quasi Houlihan. Eric was trying to get him figured out, and he was like, "I don't, I don't know what he's doing." I think it's he was hard. having a grand time. Yeah, like, <laughs> like he was. I think Zach's me. martial arts skills were trying to kick in midway. And uh, I was like, okay, but he did get it once, so like that's he did. That's good. Yeah. It was fun to watch him, but I was like, I have no idea what that man is doing over there, but he is having a great time. So <laughs> for someone cool. who's not horsey, though, coming into this, he was like, he was a good sport. He oh, had he, so much he fun. He just jumped right on in. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. I, you guys didn't even make it to my house. I was like, well, you got to meet me at the farm because I was here for the farrier. And then I was like, here's Zach. You can lead this horse out to the pasture. And he was like, okay. No, he <laughs> is used uh, to that because yeah. I yeah. hand him horses all the time. And like ours are like eventing horses and they're nutty or they're babies. And I'm like, just don't look them in the eye and just keep moving forward. You'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, by comparison, our guys are like, it's cool. We live here. Yours were so. much more chill than our yeah. horses. Yeah. We had, a, we had a good time. So yeah, we, I cannot wait for the 2024 edition of this. I think we're going to come to you next time and we'll uh, eat food and ride horses again. <laughs> It'll be a good time. Definitely <laughs> yeah. a great weekend. I'm super excited for our show though. I'm like, Starting to get anxious about the makeover because I feel like I have so much stuff to do. I can only imagine how you're feeling. Yeah, don't ask. <laughs> yeah, we, we'll do that mental check-in later. Um, yeah. But for right now, it's going to be a, 30 days of disassociation for both yep. of us. As we're, <laughs> uh, getting prepared. And I'm sure our competitors are also feeling the pressure, but it's a very makeover special uh, with us being 30 days out. We're going to hear from Kristen Green, who is honestly... I love getting all the stats. I love to hear what horses are coming and how many are war horses and just kind of getting that sneak preview because there are so many horses who will be there. I think we're expecting between like 350 and 400 from what I last yep. saw. Mm -hmm. um, so lots to lots to look at and see. And of course, the content. There's always going to be content. <laughs> um, and then we're going to hear from Melissa Mateson too, who we've been following this year on her journey. And she had to switch horses last minute. So I'm very eager to hear how her progress is going because she had a quick or a switch quite recently. But before we dive into all that, we're going to hear from our premier sponsor, Kentucky Performance Products. This Nutrition Minute is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, the company that simplifies your search for research-proven nutritional supplements at kppusa.com. If you've ever had a horse with diarrhea, you know what a frustrating problem it can be. Finding an ingredient that works to dry up the diarrhea becomes a high priority. It turns out that researchers have found one, a yeast called Saccharomyces boulardii. It has been proven to improve and halt episodes of diarrhea. It supplies specific nutrients to the lining of the small and large intestines, and these nutrients promote healing of irritated tissues. It also supports improved starch and sugar digestion in the small intestine, reducing the opportunity for imbalances to occur in the hindgut. 
Nalox Advanced, made by Kentucky Performance Products, contains Saccharomyces boulardii, along with a blend of fermentation solubles and stomach buffers. Nalox Advanced is recommended for horses of any age that are suffering from diarrhea. It also supports a healthy digestive tract in horses at risk for gastric or colonic ulcers, such as performance horses or any horse that is constantly on the go and exposed to stressful situations. For best results, Nalox Advanced should be fed on a daily basis. This Nutritional Minute has been brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products. You can find all of their terrific products at kppusa.com. Well, as Joy keeps reminding me, helpfully or not, we are one month out from the makeover. Uh, This episode drops on September 10th, which means that one month and a day from now, preliminary competition will kick off in Kentucky, which is super exciting. Uh, We're very excited for another fabulous makeover. Um, And to celebrate makeover season, we have with us today, Kirsten Green, the executive director of the Retired Resource Project. So welcome back to the show, Kirsten. Hey, guys. Thanks, as always, for having me. Yeah, so this is like, obviously, I've been trained well by you to get like super into the stats part of the makeover. (laughs) And I think, uh, you know, one thing that maybe I I can't tell how much universal appeal this really has to the masses, but I think that we're in such a cool, unique position with the Retired Resource Project to capture this data that I think it's just really, really neat to be able to take a sort of cross section of the aftercare industry and like, look at how horses make it to second careers. Um, So this is kind of a weird question, but like, why should we care about this? Like, why should we care about the stats at the makeover? Like, what does it mean for the rest of us who just want to ride our racehorses and have a good time? (laughs) Sure. Um, You know, it's funny that you say like, I have trained you well. I'm first of all, I'm flattered. Thank you. But um, I was sitting here thinking like, how did we get this way? And I think, (laughs) (laughs) um, you know, Stuart Pittman that founded this organization, like some of the very early things that he did as he was trying to get momentum behind the Retired Racehorse Project is that he did um, what he called at the time a Bridges to Second Careers study, which was just like a broad net that he cast, you know, did it like in Survey Monkey and just asked people, like, how are you getting your thoroughbreds? Um, and lots of background information on that. And I think that kind of laid the foundation for us to become data hoarders, basically. Um, So even as far back as the very first like full-fledged makeover that we had in Kentucky in 2015, we had always a running spreadsheet of just basic background. And you know, it really started as like a way to kind of gather marketing points and things that we could do to promote the event. But over time, we really realized that we had this very unique position where as an organization, we're interfacing with all of these different channels by which people are acquiring their off-track thoroughbreds. And um, couldn't that or wouldn't that be useful in some way, shape or form? Um, because effectively, you know, we get a little kind of snapshot of the retiring population every year that no other organization has um, because we are interfacing with horses that are coming through traditional um, aftercare facilities, but also track-based programs through resellers. Um, And so we can gather a lot of um, insight that way in terms of how are horses reaching retirement? How many 
of them are going through these different channels. How long does it take to place those courses dependent on what channels they are? How much um, does it cost to acquire these horses dependent on what channels they're going through? Um, how many racing connections are still involved with their horses? That's another point that we've started tracking in more recent years is, you know, how many of these racing connections are, you know, personally staying involved in retaining ownership and, you know, being very hands-on in the transition. Um, and I think that that is very relevant to us in the aftercare industry, uh, just in terms of being able to understand these things and being able to allocate our energy and resources accordingly, um, making sure that all of these different channels can, you know, get the support and the, uh, the support and the recognition that they need to be able to continue efficiently serving these courses. Um, so that's a very like traditionally, you know, characteristic for me, long-winded answer, but, um, you know, it's it's just a lot of very unique information that tells us a lot about what this transition is looking like um, in here in this country. Yeah, well, and I think that's key. Like, you know, it. I don't think it was actually a very long answer. I'd like too long. I think it was a great answer <laughs> because I think all that that background information is really helpful. Um, yeah, and yeah, like I mean, you know, we don't we at the RRP, but then we in the aftercare industry don't want to be making decisions blindly based on what we think people are doing. So, you know, like any other sort of like science-based response, you want to have, you know, some gathered information and some data. So I, yeah, I think that is the perfect answer, you know, that we're trying to make informed decisions, you know, about what it is that we're doing and, and where we go from here, because there is no other organization that's keeping track of it. Like we don't even know in the entire industry, how many horses are retiring a year doing. And that sort of thing is going to continue to evolve over the next couple of years. And we'll certainly have more insight kind of as a result of the implementation of HISA. Um, But it's kind of one of those things where it's impossible for us to know the scope of the problem and exactly what sort of things need attention and need to be served better than they are currently, unless we're getting to a point where we can actually better quantify that. And even if we get to a point where we understand how many horses are retiring every year, we're still going to need more insight on what their post-track life looks like. And uh, we're, again, one of the only organizations that has the information in terms of like being able to interface with people that got their horses straight off the track, as well as got their horses from accredited, accredited aftercare facilities or resellers or um, you know, off a, you know, canter or listing agent type situation. Um, so we hope that we can put that to work, um, in terms of just better informing how this industry functions and focuses their efforts. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, sounds like a, a big job, but I think we're, yeah. yeah. But I feel like, you know, we're we're setting ourselves up well to to do that. And I keep saying we, you know, because I work for the RRP too. But, you know, I mean, even we at Retired Resource Radio are sort of, you know, adjacent to the aftercare industry. So I think it's really for helpful sure. for us to bring this information to listeners, you know, and, and mm-hmm. show everybody like what all is going on. So, um, yep. Joy, I know you wanted to get into like some of the fun stats. You know. Oh, oh, I mean, I love all the stats, like for all the reasons that you both have already pointed out, because it is interesting and it helps add value to these horses and gives those who are involved in the racing side of things perspective on how their horses have value after 
the racing industry too, um, which is exactly why both of our our spaces exist is to add value to these horses. Um, but yes, the fun facts are also quite enjoyable too. Like I always want to know, like who are some of like the big names that we should look out for who are who is coming? And yes, there are big name trainers and stuff. That's one thing you can follow them on Instagram. I want to about the horses. I want to get selfies with horses. <laughs> <laughs> so Kristen actually is like pr- probably the fount of information on this front, but because um, I memorize know, everything. We, <laughs> yeah, that's her job. <laughs> but um, with a lot of backup from Sally Roberts, who's kind of she's our registrar. She does manual data collection on all of these horses when we get registrations in, and loves to take a deep dive into you know, whatever little thread she can find in terms of points of interest and how horses are connected and everything. But um, definitely our big name horse this year is Arklo. Uh, so that's the multiple graded stakes winner, $3 million earner, three-time Breeders' Cup participant uh, in the on the turf. And he is actually with um, uh, James Keogh, who is also uh, one of our consigner pledge program participants. And so oh, awesome. uh, that horse is currently being uh, prepped for the field hunter division um, and has already done his, you know, it's cubbing season right now. So he's getting out and doing his, his hound walks and everything. So it's just very cool to see this, you know, top class horse um, still involved with his racing connections and on track to uh, come and see us here um, in the, the makeover in a couple of weeks. Uh, but there are certainly, um, Kristen will be telling the stories of all kinds of different stakes horses and um, horses that have kind of unique racing connections and that sort of thing. But the other one that I would be like, I think is probably the coolest one is actually one of our broodmare um, participants. We ended up with about 26 horses registered for our pilot broodmare program this year, uh, which we're mm-hmm. very proud of. That's kind of about where we hoped we would land in the pri- in the pilot year. Um, and we actually had last year um, a set of full siblings uh, that were with uh, trainer Karen Wittick. And yeah. that broodmare is entered in the makeover broodmare division this year. So that horse is um, Maria's the boss. Uh, so we're very much looking forward to seeing that kind of like family generational (laughs) continuation, um, having the broodmare and the broodmare division this year. So those are kind of my two highlights. Yeah. I'm super excited for the broodmare division. That was going to be my next question too, since it is so new. So we're expecting about 26 to be there. Uh, Mm -hmm. What are we primarily seeing as the disciplines they're entering um, and even just some of the ages coming in too? Uh, so we actually have a broodmare in every single division except for polo at the moment, and uh, which we are just like blown away. We're so excited about That's it, awesome. um, but definitely a concentration in the kind of flat oriented divisions. So um, some competitive trail and dressage are some of the most popular, um, but we have a handful that are doing like show hunters and stuff too. So um, and I think that that's appropriate. Uh, what we actually found is that the biggest reason that these horses um, were retired from broodmare duty is uh, because of reproductive 
issues, um, mm-hmm. you know, not necessarily because of advanced age or the, you know, commercial viability of their offspring. Um, you know, they're just having complications where, um, you know, they're not carrying to term or they're not catching in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, so our average age is 12. Um, oh, that's a so great that's, age. Yeah, it's a great age. And, you know, a lot of them are just, you know, they're in really good condition, you know, they not having a significant kind of like the conformational changes that you see um, in the much older broodmares. So I'm really excited to see them represented so well across all of the disciplines. And I just, I can't wait to see, you know, how everybody does in a couple of weeks, but we're, we couldn't be more happy with how this is going so far. I love that. I'm sure some of them will also be at the marketplace too. So for those who are looking to adopt, it could be a great option if you're looking for something a little bit older than some of the youngins who come into the makeover, someone with a little more experience um, being handled and off the track longer. But I'm super excited to see it all. Yeah, and then- we'll have about 30% of the horses that are still on track uh, for Kentucky, about 30% of them are for sale. Um, in the marketplace afterwards. So I expect that, yes, you might see some broodmares in there. And of course, we have the um, right horse adoption barn as well. So that's another option if we're looking for thoroughbreds kind of beyond the makeover population. So make sure to stop in. It sounds like we've got about six different right horse organizations coming and bringing adoptable horses. uh, Fantastic. Yeah. And then The other group that I love, because I'm a mare person, I talk about it almost every episode, but the other group I also love to see at the makeover are the war horses. Do we have any war horses who will be joining us this year? Uh, Yeah, so we definitely, we always have a a decent little population of war horses represented. So um, this year, of all the horses that were registered, 28 of them are war horses. Um, And our top... um, like number of starts horses, uh, most starts horses are actually tied um, for at 102 starts. So that's going to be between the horses Social Misfit and Clyde Park are wow. both at 102 starts. I love it. I feel like that number of war horses has steadily increased year after year because I, Kristen, we should note this to do like a war horse panel on the show someday because I think there's so yes. much to learn about them. But I think people get nervous because of how many starts, but truthfully, they're so capable and so hardy. So I love seeing them at the makeover because they definitely have a story to share. I definitely have a hot, uh, you know, a soft spot for them as well. They just, they really have their heads on straight to be in it mm-hmm. for that long. And they yeah. just still have so much to offer. And they know who they are at that point too. Like, right. you know, like, I am not a three-year-old person. Someone else can deal with them. But like, I would l- love to take the eight, nine, 10-year-old war horse who's like, mm-hmm. sure, you know, <laughs> I love that. Cool. So yeah, lots of horses to see. Um, the entry list, of course, is available at the rrp.org slash entries. Um, and we have our big stats article with a lot more data points um, on our news page at the rrp.org as well. Um, we did have a listener question that came in uh, from X Racehorse Life Coach on Instagram. Um, and she would like to know, it seems that people are very enthusiastic about particular breeding lines for certain disciplines, but does the data, does the data actually show the trends are real? And I feel a little seen in this question because I'm the one who's always <laughs> like, oh my God, give me a candy ride. Um, 
<laughs> so she says, or is looking for a particular sire or avoiding one silly. So Kirsten, do we have any, like, you know, that's sort of a personal choice question. I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> so I'll tackle that from a couple of different angles. Um, we actually do have the data points to um, extrapolate a definitive answer. Um, I don't know that our population size is big enough to warrant like a trend that would be, you know, market shifting, but certainly interesting to look at. Um, one of the things on our kind of like winter project list is to um, start taking the results uh, from year to year and dissecting things a little bit further. So pulling the results back in the, and associating them to the sires of the horses and that sort of thing within the makeover um, and doing more um, based on the data that we have on file in terms of, you know, we talk about the kind of like fun data points in terms of like, you know, who's a millionaire and, and who was has this interesting breeding and, you know, what age is everybody? But we gather a lot of um, in data that's probably mostly interesting to um, nerds like myself in terms of like how prepared people are for the makeover, uh, how many times they have been to horse shows and clinics and stuff ahead of the event. So we can actually start to pull together some insights in terms of like, you know, how preparation pays off in results at the makeover. And, um, you know, we keep track of our retention in terms of how many people register and say they're going to bring a horse and then how many people actually register a horse and you know our retention numbers are stronger than they've ever been and, and we start to look at that sort of thing so you know doing more with the results is next on our list and we actually again shout out to Stuart Pittman and his early vision is we had um, a directory called the bloodline brag and then we renamed it the, the thoroughbred sport tracker and that was a user-driven database where you could put in your horse and his pedigree and rate them um, on traits like confirmation, movement, soundness, temperament. Um, and the original vision was that it would aggregate um, those scores based on um, pedigree. So we have the fundamentals to, we had to shelf that when we updated our website, but we have the fundamentals and a lot of data that we could um, be aggregating and and really putting some power and oomph uh, behind um, the thoroughbred sport tracker when we bring it back online. But that's uh, probably got a little bit of a capital campaign behind it to do all the work that's needed. So I think that there are trends. I think a lot of it is um, personal preference and you know what kind of temperament that you like. But um, we certainly see from year to year in the makeover as well. I think I remember a year or two ago, we looked around and we we're just like, why are there so many frost giants here? We had like seven of them or something like that. And everywhere we turned were these like big, impressive chestnut horses with blazes. And oh, yeah, I <laughs> so remember that. Yeah. And like, I don't think that there's really much to that that we can really point to, but it's just always fascinating. And you know, definitely anything that is on the Giants Causeway line. Uh, we tend to see a lot of uh, Giants Causeway was a multiple time winner of our um, Sire Madness competition, which was uh, associated to the Thoroughbred Sport Tracker. So we would do a, a bracket style favorite sport horse sire uh, competition. And he won that multiple times. But it's definitely there's definitely a lot of personal preference. Um, 
I really enjoy watching um, particularly uh, the aftercare organizations and the resellers that are moving a volume of horses that have had experience with a diverse uh, number of bloodlines that can start to kind of anecdotally notice these types of things. And I would love to just suck up as much data off of those guys as we could um, to answer that as well. But um, the short answer is no one has a clear answer on that. And the longer <laughs> answer is we would love to be able to answer that for you. And and we hope to um, and sometime in the near future or not too yeah. distant future. <laughs> yeah. From like an actual like data driven perspective. Yes. Cause yeah, of course we can all sit around and be like, you know, like, yes, I know that I love candy rides confirmationally right. i've never actually ridden one but i look at them and i'm like i want one but <laughs> yeah, yeah i don't know that that actually is going to translate to ranch horse performance and it, yeah it would be really cool to eventually like fire up the uh the servers and figure that one out so for cool. sure cool yeah well hopefully x-rays horse life coach that answers your question somewhat um yeah well uh you let us know what bloodlines you like too so um all of our listeners so, Kirsten, we are one month out. Where can listeners go to find more information about this year's Thoroughbred Makeover? TheRRP.org, and you can't miss it. There's a special menu up on the homepage now of some basic information about tickets and scheduling, and then you can take a deep dive and um, look in the Thoroughbred Makeover menu from the homepage, and you'll get all the information that you wanted and more that you didn't know you wanted. <laughs> it is October 11th through the 14th at the Kentucky Horse Park in Lexington. Free admission. We are no longer charging on finale day. There's also a live stream for the finale, so you can participate from home. So uh, we hope to see you all there. Kirsten, thanks so much for joining us again, and good luck with all the prep. All right. Thank you, guys. Well, I'm here with Tony from Cashel. You all know it from the ads you hear all the time on this show. But I we're at the trade show, and this is the point of time in the year where we find out what's new coming out. So what's Cash will have new coming out? Oh, we've got a, a great lineup of uh, 32, 34 wool top pads. So uh, describe them. Uh, five different colors, real vibrant, bright, sharp looking pads. What, are the, what makes them different? Uh, well, it's the fill. The, the, the wool felt on the inside is a natural felt. And the fleece on the bottom is a hundred percent merino. Oh, really? Okay. So th these are soft and squishy pads. Well, not real squishy, but soft, and and they do absorb shock and and saddle fit. What would they retail for? What are those? That's you about a hundred and nineteen. That's the right price. Yeah. Anything else new with Cashel coming out? Oh, we've got uh, more saddle pads coming in the fall. A uh, new strap line coming in the fall. It's uh, a two tone that looks great with a, a great buckle set on it. There's, we're always in development, so there's so many things, projects in the works. What's still your most popular product? Is it still always the same things year after year? Uh, fly. You bet. Yeah. Fly, fly that's protection what we all, is what's, always it. That's how I knew you in the first place was fly. Fly masks. Yep. Yeah. Many years ago, uh, we were primarily fly masks and kind of had some tush cushions and a few odds and ends. Today, we've broadened that offering to saddlebags, uh, strap, head stalls, breast collars, bell boots, um, leg protection, and the, the it continues to grow. Is there a place where somebody can go and see all the products? Uh, Cashelcompany.com will give you a good offering. There you go. Well, thank you, Tony. It's been fun seeing you again. Hey, thank you. Good to see you.
Well, I'm super excited because as we've continued, I feel like every segment we've talked about on the show, Kristen, the 30 days to the makeover, which feels so <sighs> unreal. No, I'm going to, I'm just going to make you uncomfortable now. It's I know. You're going to text me every morning and be like, now it's 29 days. So. That's a lot of effort for me. Don't expect that. <laughs> but anyway, uh, this next segment is we're catching up with our making the makeover writers. And today we have Melissa Mates and joining us again. So welcome back, Melissa. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for being here because I'll share with our listeners. Melissa let us in that there is a kind of like grass wildfire happening around her. So we're going to hope her connection stays strong with us for this interview. But obviously, do what you got to do, girl. Like you, you're taking writing the content to a whole new level here. So if you want to tone it down, you can. But yeah, that wasn't hoping... really supposed to be like a challenge, you know, no. to be like, give us the content. <laughs> but, but you're you've, winning. You've taken it to a whole new level. <laughs> <laughs> All of the content. <laughs> All the content. Well, first off, you and your horses are okay. Yes. Yes. Okay. It's quite it's quite a ways from us, but it's just a little over forty two hundred acres. And with the wind that we've been having, like it's just been blowing a lot of smoke everywhere. Oh, so that's- that's definitely tough. So I'm sure me saying 30 days to the makeover did not make you feel good today. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Look at you. Got Look at you. <laughs> she really does. Well, also, I think it helps because we know last time we caught up with you, you had just switched horses and we're getting used to your new thoroughbred. How is he yeah. doing? Because he seems like a real chill dude. Um, He's doing good. Um, He, I guess, in true makeover fashion, came up lame yesterday no (laughs) like oh my gosh and I'm like panicking and I'm like sobbing and my husband's out of town because he's doing training for work and I was like everything is falling apart and he was like well did you butte him and soak his foot for an abscess and I was like no oh my god what a what a guy he's he's been for he's been around for this thankfully (laughs) Yeah, that is um, the kind of calming presence we need. So. I love that. Yes, everybody needs a Victor. Like, yeah, can all we my all just call him? <laughs> like, every time one of us will be like, Victor, <laughs> right. he'll be like, circa foot, it's an abscess. All right. Well, but, hopefully uh, he's it fine heals up today. Quickly. So good, good. Glad to hear that. Yeah, so. like he's, he's out there, he's out there running and you know being his normal self today and I was like okay thanks thanks for the little heart attack you know this close <laughs> it's fine oh my goodness. everything's fine <laughs> well and you declared to do western dressage with him correct um I originally did and then last minute was kind of like you know our loop departures and our circles aren't quite where I would like them to be for a dressage Mm -hmm. test. And I don't know if we'd get there in the next 30 days. And so I kind of wanted to showcase what we've been working on with him as far as like groundwork and desensitizing. So we're actually doing freestyle. Oh, nice. I think that's a smart move because we know you switched pretty recently. And I think it's wonderful. You're putting the horse first and where he'll be most successful. Yeah, like his steering has gotten a lot better at the lope, but I was like, I don't know if we can make a circle inside of the dressage ring and not leave it. (laughs) Not consistently. Yeah, those are short little walls. (laughs) So so, by allowing him to make, (laughs) yeah, they are. 
So by, you know, being able to utilize the big indoor, if he, you know, maybe doesn't want to turn as tightly, I feel like that's a better option for us at this point. Definitely not a bad move in any way. So how has his riding work been coming? Because regardless of what you're practicing for, for the makeover, we know that you're also focused on his overall education too. Honestly, he he's such a cool little dude. Um, I've been riding him in like a hackamore setup until about a week ago. Oh, nice. And switched him back into the bit. And he was like, oh, like, you're going to put contacts on the rain? Like, I'm going to lift my back and, like, engage my hip. And I was like, oh, somebody needs to adopt him before I do. (laughs) But he's been pretty easy to just work with and get along with. And I've thrown all sorts of different people on him, just getting him used to, you know, different riders. He's just like, oh, like, I have to trot around with this person now? Like, that's okay. He's just a very, you know, easygoing gelding personality. Oh, don't tell me that. One of my students is actually going to come down to the makeover to horse shop. Don't tell oh, us. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right. Let's make an appointment for right now. I think we're going to yes. have to yeah. actually. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Mostly because if someone else adopts the horse, then I don't feel yes. like I need to. So, you know. That yeah, is also true. It protects Kristen and I <laughs> from losing our significant others and going into bankruptcy. <laughs> I mean, that's the only realistic reason why I can't adopt him because so, <laughs> I like being married. That's a smart gig, though, is to prep a horse for a nonprofit, you know, an mm-hmm. adoption organization. And then not only does that horse get, you know, a great foundation and some education and then exposure at a large event, but then you get the fun of the makeover without having to actually adopt the horse yourself. So that's a pretty good deal, actually. And uh, yeah, and some lucky adopter is going to get a heck of a nice horse with all sorts of, you know, foundational work and makeover training. So that's really cool. Actually, I like this setup. Mm-hmm. Yes. Awesome. Now tell us about your broodmare entry, because we mm-hmm. just spoke with Kirsten Green from the RRP. And we were hearing a little bit about the broodmares and that they're in almost every discipline, which is really cool. So you have ballerina boogie, right? Yes. So she is actually the only broodmare in the barrels, which I'm actually kind of surprised. Um, but we made like a, a Facebook messenger group of all the broodmare competitors and we're like getting shirts made. So that's really cool. Oh, that um, is so but cool. She's, I love that. <laughs> um, and so, but she's doing really good. Um, she's kind of had a little bit of time off just because we're um, very rotund. And with just the smoke and everything, she's like, yeah, I'm done after like 20 minutes. So I've kind of given her just a little bit of a break to kind of just, you know, let the smoke clear out a bit. And then we'll probably start back up next week. I'm actually looking at her playing in the water trough right now. <laughs> so she's living her best life. Um, but she's doing really good. She's finally consistently loping through the pattern without having either like a temper tantrum or just deciding halfway through like okay you know I lope two circles like I'm done she's kind of lazy which is very weird because she's very fast but she's like yeah I'm gonna run 200 feet and then I'm done like so we've kind of just been working on our willingness and our horsemanship but yeah nice 
To be fair, my dressage horse has timed out her test and she's like, I'll give you seven minutes of my best behavior. Everything else is questionable. So I get that. I also think we're at that stage in the summer where like it's the end of summer and Mm -hmm. all the horses are tired. Like we've been riding hard all year because jobbers like that too. He's like, I am finished. So yeah, it's the time of year to keep it brief and you know, then the the cool Kentucky air will pepper back up again. So exactly. (laughs) But you're also, yeah. And it's been like, go ahead, Melissa. I'm sorry. Oh, you're fine. It's also been like ridiculously hot here. Like we had a few days where the actual temperature was like 120 without humidity. So yeah. we've had we've had a lot of short and sweet rides. <laughs> good call. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's a good move. Um, and I do want to express condolences because I've been following you. I know you recently lost Bo, who you've talked about on the show too, because I believe you're going to take him to tip championships. Yes. Yeah, so he originally was my um, retiring racehorse injury that we replaced with Ace. Um, he was doing good for a while, but you know, EPM, it's so touch and go and he actually kind of started to develop seizures and so we decided that the best option for him was to just you know let him have some peace because at that point you know there was it was so unsure and I was like you know I don't like I don't want to be in that situation where I come home and he's down mm-hmm. and I you know like I was like I want to do it on a good day so we yeah. spoiled him. He got, you know, two baths and he got to eat extra alfalfa and, you know, play in the misters. And so it was a good day for him. You had a very heartfelt post. So I just wanted to acknowledge that. And what I will say, Melissa, just you've had a, we've, we'll say it lightly here, but a lot of content, a lot of things have happened over the last few months that we've gotten to know you and you've always come in very positively and you've always showcase that your horses come first. Um, and even for Bo, uh, you you put him first and gave him a, a great day and cared for him along the way and never put the makeover first. And that's really what this show is about. Yes. Because I mean, at the end of the day, like horses, they don't owe us anything. Like if they didn't want us to ride him, like absolutely you know we wouldn't be able to and he was one even like when he was sick he'd be like mom you know come get me out of the pasture like i'm ready to go and so you know it felt it felt right doing the right thing by him well we're super excited to see how your other horses are going to do too because i know you give them that same love and affection and care and attention the whole way through um, and we're super happy to have you as a part of this to represent, honestly, all realms of horse ownership. It can be grueling and it can also be the most rewarding thing possible. So thanks for being a part of this journey. And we're super excited to see you in Kentucky. Oh, well, thank you. I'm like tearing up. <laughs> oh, don't do that. No, no. Don't do no that because it will tear up. <laughs> no crying on Retired Racehorse Radio. We can all no. cry in person, though. It's fine. We'll cry in person at the yeah. makeover. Okay. Uh, so you have about a month. What is your plan for this next month? And how are you going to pack? 
Like that's what I'm also curious. I always want to know people's setup to get prepared for it. Oh gosh. Well, fortunately for us, we we have a four horse trailer. So I have space for all the things, even though we have three horses going. Um, but Ace actually shares a saddle with Secret, so that works perfect. So I only have to pack two saddles instead of three. Nice. Um, but for freestyle, we have a lot of props that are going to have to be disassembled before we transport. Um, like we have a couple of balloon columns and I'm like, Hey, everybody that's coming with me, we're going to have a balloon blowing up party at the, at the barn the <laughs> night before. Oh, freestyle. <laughs> You'll have to let me know when you're setting it up. I'll come get content for you. <laughs> yes. But it should be a fun freestyle. Like I don't, I don't want to give too much away, but it is themed after a very recent release, popular movie that Ooh. may or may not have pink as a color. Don't give us too many secrets. It's Oppenheimer. Oh man, I can't wait to see your Oppenheimer themed freestyle. That's I know. Honestly, though, now I want to do an Oppenheimer freestyle. That sounds fun. I think my horse would have a stroke if I tried to do that, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's not. <laughs> I don't know. She did great in the mobile confidence clinic. Who knows? Maybe she would like explosions. Jeez. <laughs> this is taking a real dark turn. It really is. But I'm like <laughs> giggling on the inside. Um, but I'm super excited to see your freestyle. I think it's honestly one of my favorite disciplines there. Um, surprisingly, not always dressage, but Zach's really excited to see Polo because he's my assistant for the week. Um, lots of things to see for sure. I know you'll have some downtime sort of as a competitor. Is there anything that you're eager to see while you're there? Uh, well, the first year that we went for Makeover in 21, we actually got to go to Keeneland and that was a lot of fun. Um, I'm hoping that maybe we can do like a stallion barn tour or maybe oh. actually like go to Churchill Mm. yeah it's that's not that far one. so yeah you could carve out some time yeah. to get over to churchill for sure that's a good one for yeah. sure when oh. we came for a tip last year i was like i want to go to churchill and do like one of the barn tours at like 7 a.m and i was like never mind i'm not a morning <laughs> yeah, person you have to get up very early from lex <laughs> to get yes. over there <laughs> yes. doable but yeah yeah, you want to enjoy yourself too. There's so. lots of fun things. Um, we will be sure to share some of the spots that we're hitting up on our social because um, we're going to be planning to hit some things in Lexington, but we'll definitely come check out your barn once you get it set up, Melissa. And if you want to hit anything together, let me know because I'm always looking to hang out. It'll be fun. I need yes. to go to different things. <laughs> yeah, well, I was super excited to see that they, they're having a beer garden during the barrels. Me? That'll be fun. Kristen, we'll talk about that. We, we, yeah. I need details. I need details. Oh, yeah. We'll get there. <laughs> we'll get It'll there. But I, I saw we'll Melissa's on it Melissa for the post. The I saw it. She was like the first comment I saw. <laughs> you know, it's liquid courage. Yeah, that's all you need. Listen, nothing goes better with horses than beer. Back. Yeah, exactly. Back to life. Awesome. Well, Melissa, thank you again. We're super excited to see you in like no time at all. I'm freaking out a little bit, but we're super excited to see everyone. We're not going to talk about the, the days anymore because I'm going to give Kristen a heart attack, but we'll see you in a few weeks. We hope that you have the best of luck, that your horses stay healthy and happy and 
yeah, it's going to be a blast. We get to meet in person after months of talking on the internet. We'll become real friends. I'm excited. Me too. Me too. Thanks again. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Bye. Train with top hunter, jumper, and eventing professionals anytime, anywhere with Practical Horsemen On Demand. Your membership gives you access to hundreds of how-to training videos taught by top-level hunter, jumper, equitation, and eventing pros, exclusive interviews and lectures, slow-motion demonstrations, insider access to private clinics and lessons, and step-by-step tutorials. New content is always being rolled out, so there are always new videos available on the topics important to you. Join now for just $24.99 a month and take your training to the next level with Practical Horseman On Demand. Well, we heard, uh, we sort of mentioned it earlier, but I think we should actually do a listener meetup at the makeover at the Barrels and Brews, which is a new event this year at the Thoroughbred Makeover. It's sponsored by First Racing. Um, That's the organization that runs Santa Anita and Pimlico and Laurel Park. Um, and Gulfstream. And uh, they are sponsoring the Barrels and Brews, which is a beer garden at the TIP Barrel Racing Championships and Makeover Barrels. So what do you think, Joy? Does that sound like a, a fun Oh, I'm already going to be there. It's already in my calendar. <laughs> it's like I've already written it down, you guys. Um, yeah, so it looks like West 6th Brewery, which I have never been to, but my friend who booked this for us is like, oh, it's amazing. So uh, good beer. There's going to be food trucks. There's barrel racing. There's thoroughbreds and us. So uh, yeah, I we'll think be it there. sounds like a no-brainer. And Zach. So if you're interested in him, he's there too. <laughs> <laughs> he's the, the chief draw for everybody. So yeah. yeah, that'd be fun. I think that uh, we should plan on doing that. So that's Thursday, October 12th at 5 p.m. at the TCA Covered Arena. So meet us there, get a beer, watch uh, Melissa and all the other barrel racers be awesome. Even under the best circumstances, travel is stressful for horses. We've all been there, stuck on the side of the road in the middle of nowhere. You can make the journey knowing that U.S. Rider is there for you. Get peace of mind on the road with U.S. Rider's nationwide 24-7 roadside assistance coverage for both you and your horse. Join today at usrider.org. I'm so excited because I got to admit, I was bummed that our last episode, we didn't have one of our reps from New Vocations, but on today's episode, we do. We have Leandra Cooper joining us. She represents the thoroughbred side of New Vocations. Welcome back to the show, Leandra. Well, thanks for having me back. It's always a pleasure. And I am so excited to talk about our horse that we have available because he's super cute and hunky. I really like him. But before we do, I would love to talk about a training tip that I think a lot of us can relate to. Um, I'm sure people have all know this term, but just in case, uh, I would love to know some tips and tricks on how to help your thoroughbred when they choose to giraffe in the arena. And what I'm talking about <laughs> is our shoulders are going one way, our nose is straight up in the air, our eyes are looking somewhere else, um, and it seems very discombobulated. How do we help them find some peace and namaste during the ride? <laughs> Absolutely. That's a great question. And that's always such a relevant one because you see this all the time. And a lot of it comes from that transformation where they're just getting used to the new asks once they are off the track. And just, it's always fascinated me, like talking to people who have been exercise riders or been jockeys and just the different 
different styles, whether, and that can change even between trainers and the way that they're wanting people to ride. Um, but just the way that the horses are receiving communication in their training on the track, especially because those are their early years and a lot of the preliminary training that they're getting, right? So we ideally need to understand what they have been taught to understand how we can create that bridge of understanding so that they can understand what we are actually asking them to do and translate those cues. But we don't always get that information about exactly the way that they're trained on the track, but we do know that a lot of the work they're doing is just forward into the bit and they're taught to take the bit and go forward, right? And a lot of what we're asking them to do in other disciplines or for that sort of multidisciplinary usage is to do things like laterals or backing up and things that are going to have different asks and ask them to do, uh, have a different type of contact. And that can be confusing and frustrating. So their response a lot of times is to go above the bit and giraffe and um, kind of gawk out a bit. I don't know if that's really a verb, but I'm creating it into one we're just and making up a bunch of new verbs today it's fine giraffe and that's why yeah. we're, Go for it. absolutely <laughs> and but but i think also we get it right it's kind of like a universal like understanding of what we're talking about <laughs> absolutely so you know i like to work this in a couple different ways um obviously we know that having contact is beneficial but i think of it as like utilitarian type right like we want them to be able to work onto the bit and some horses just maybe are more forward inclined. So I always put a lot of emphasis on to driving forward still, because that that can be sort of an understanding that they have of moving forward into the bit. So people as riders, we need to not be scared of pushing a horse using our leg and kind of getting them in between our legs, framing them up, squaring them up, however you want to call it, and pushing them into our hands, which people can back off from and are expecting them to meet them back, which they're not used to. So push the horse up into the bit and make sure that your contact is consistent and actually kind of framing them up into that contact that you're looking for. Um, I'm seeing people backing off from that a lot or having slack or letting energy go out in different places. And as a result, that horse is not going to be able to have the understanding um, of what you're asking them to do. And on the other side of things, you can also start working with the horses, even from the ground on accepting contact. And that might be with a rope halter. And that might be just asking them even in a bridle to um, apply pressure as little as possible at first, and then slowly apply more if they're not responding until the very moment that you get a response, even not a complete one, but just when you get that beginning of understanding and you can gradually increase that. So in the ideal world, you know, you apply a little pressure and you get the response of give. Um, and when you have that sort of response, it's going to help you in a million sort of ways. But I like to create that beginning of the understanding, at least on the ground, so you don't have the complications of what you're doing with your body and the forward movement, all of that. Like you can work on just asking them to like stop when you stop. Um, and back up. And I'll do that with every horse, the groundwork, and that helps a whole lot. But when you're in the saddle, I really try to keep it in a forward movement. And that way you're not asking them to initially go to a backup, which could be confusing because they're not used to doing that. And then they might respond by rearing and trying to get away from contact still, right? If they're trying to get away from contact, then let's use that momentum that we already have, go forward and try to push them into 
the um, hand that we're trying to create and then make sure that you're suppling when they're suppling too. Like you don't want to just both be sort of driving into a wall. Then Um, you want to have this give and take communication so that they're understanding it's not just going to be pressure all the time or that they're not just going to be taking and going and doing away with what they want that you're um, like I had said, use your, use that energy moving from the back to the front, drive them forward up into your hand and then make sure that your ask is appropriate too, right? You don't want to just like have a rigid rock hand. Um, you want it to be supple and moving like, uh, you know, you having an even response. I think, I think it was Tick Maynard I could be getting this totally wrong. And now I think it is perhaps wrong. So please, any, any listener who's hearing this and knows what I'm talking about and can correct me, please do. Um, but I remember hearing somebody talking about that, that type of contact as, um, like fishing where it's almost Mm -hmm. like you're trying to get that little tug that you'll feel on the line, but there is kind of like that you can't just like rip them in or they'll, the fish will swim away and get off the hook. Um, you kind of have to have that dance of like feeling that pull, being able to have a suppleness to it too, which I thought was a good example. Um, and I, you know, I think in that way, like I, you can, you can ride around a horse and get them to move forward and just have them stick their head up and not listen to you. Like what you're saying, just giraffe around But to create that real understanding. They need to have an actual understanding of um, what contact means so that you can do things like develop the top line and get them to stretch down long and low and all the things that we know are desirable, but it really all starts from those foundational pieces that are like building the alphabet before you can start building the words and everything, which I know I've said before, but it still rings true, right? Where it's like, those are the fundamental pieces that are going to help you understand. And then you can build on it with things like laterals or doing, um, you know, circles and um, doing everything that builds off of that, but you need them to be squared underneath you first. And when they're being oppositional to the contact you're trying to put on, you're not going to get anywhere. And certainly any muscle that they develop that way is going to just reinforce that giraffe motion. We want, there was, there was also, um, you know, there was a phrase that I always really liked where they said, um, practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect, right? You have to actually practice the things that you want them to be able to do. So first and foremost, we need to be able to get them to give. And you do that by creating that understanding, creating that bridge of communication of what they will likely know already, and then building onto it with pieces like working with them on the ground to get that give moment and have something to work off of. I love that, especially like the give and take. I think sometimes we can get greedy about that first sign of success. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, I always think about like the flexible elbow, the flowing hands. Yeah. Um, and you hear that term a lot in dressage. So like, I try to always keep somewhat of a loose contact with my thoroughbred. And granted, she's ahead of those who have come off um, the track maybe a little bit sooner but she still has her moments where she questions the contact every time we do something new or mm-hmm. challenging and just kind of having that looseness in the elbow and that flexibility that she can play with it and get comfortable in the new movement and then settle. I've at yes. least found like the drafting tends to be more of an anxious tendency, like almost like a, a nervous tick versus mm-hmm. something malicious or an attitude issue. And when you have established that and you just need to check in or I'll say like mm-hmm. recalibrate, And that can be for some horses, especially when they're still learning, like we could 
get a horse really nice and uh, warmed up. And then I'll have somebody like come over to take a video. And in that time where I might just be having them like walk around, you might need to do this little recalibration beforehand. And what that usually consists of for me, and maybe this is from when I was doing Gymkhana and was working with some natural horsemen who forced me to learn how to ride in Western tack and everything, but like Mm -hmm. really shifted my mindset of like how to create a foundation of a horse. Um, but also learned some really cool gym kind of things that or like keyhole was my absolute favorite. And this is relevant, I promise. But because I um, will still ensure that a horse coming from our barn knows how to stop and back up, which I mean, for some reason, just seems like this fleeting um, skill set that the horses will have. But when you ask them to do that and rock back and you have that actual give moment, it helps you to check in with the horse because even with my own personal one like I'll know that we need to reconnect and recalibrate because I'll ask for a downward transition and he just sits on my hand and I'll be like no 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 that's not what we do so then we'll move I'll move him up like go from a backup and I'll say like you rock it out of it like get him to go forward like really like sit and engage a hind end move forward you know trot off and do that and then i'll ask him again to come back down and we'll do that same sort of thing it's like balancing a clutch almost right Mm -hmm. where you're like rocking back and then you're rocketing forward and then ask him to come back and you're like recalibrating but you can feel absolutely when you have contact and when you don't um and so, but that's still like, I wouldn't ask a horse from the get-go to do that, but that's a really good way to check in is in those transitions. Like, what are you feeling? A sluggish start? Are you feeling them really sit on your hands? Are they putting their head up above it? Like, if so, we need to work on these things. Mm. And there's so much that, that the disciplines can learn from each other in that too. You oh, know, like yeah. I, I went with more of a like dressage based foundation when I started jobber, but now he's at the point, you know, five years later mm-hmm. where I can do, you know, more like a Western set him and kind of forget him, you know, yes, <laughs> like you yeah. ask him to set his head and then drop and he'll carry himself. But I couldn't do that with him right off the get go, but it's the same, mm-hmm. you know, so it's, yeah, you take that foundation from one and take it to another. So, and I think that works both ways too, you know, cause there's a lot of English disciplines where you just sort of end up sort of babysitting the horse in right. contact all the time. And right. those riders could do with more letting go, you know, and let the horse mm-hmm. carry itself. So yeah, great yeah. stuff. I love it. Well, definitely great tips again, Leandra. I know this will help a lot of listeners who are working with their thoroughbreds, maybe right off the track or some who are a little more graduated from it. Um, and probably some who aren't even riding thoroughbreds, but still struggling to get them to feel comfortable on the bit. But I know we have the most important part of this segment, which is our adoptable horse of the week. And he's part of the Bays for Days special. Tell us a little bit about Night at the Movies. Night at the Movies, who we also call Hollywood, is a really lovely gelding in our program who we're still trying to figure out why he is still available because he is what I would think is exactly right up most people's alley at 16 hands. He's just probably above 16 hands, actually, and has a really nice bigger build, big shoulder, nice confirmation. He has a really sweet personality and um, loves to get doted on like a true movie star, of course. It's so uh, appropriate for his name, Hollywood. He likes to 
hang out in the cross ties if that's what you're into. He could get his hair done all day. He also really enjoys time under saddle, but he needs somebody definitely who can help him with his confidence in the limelight. Um, He is great when he's used to something in new environments. He needs a little bit of handholding. Um, but it's, you know, for a horse's age, it's nothing that you wouldn't expect. And, uh, to top it all off, this horse goes around barefoot and has no issues. So really, if we're talking about valuable qualities here, I would say that is a gold star for him. So, um, if, looking at what this horse could do for different prospects, there are so many different disciplines I could see him in. I could certainly see him going around as a super cute hunter prospect. Um, but he is also a horse who could develop with the right person to do just about anything. He had an old tendon injury that's healed pretty well. And so he's at this point ready to go into mid-level type careers. We have him put at kind of a two, six ish range. And I could see that easily for him. And he's big enough that you could kind of step over a bunch of things, but just a really nice horse all around. Um, comes from nice bloodlines and a really nice personality. I would say check out his videos on his profile online because they speak for themselves. He just sees a nice mover. He's a nice horse and has so much potential in the future. We could just see him going into a million different directions. You know, what's really cool about this horse too, is we have a listener connection with Night at the Movies. So our listener, Lane Schaefer, uh, she works for his breeders. So I saw her share him a couple months ago and was like, Reggie, I think they called him Reggie growing up. And they're like, Reggie's at No Vocations. So uh, yeah, so he comes from really great connections. And I know if a listener adopts him, let us know and we'll connect you with Lane and maybe you can get some baby pictures. So uh, yeah, you guys should definitely take this one home. He's got that nice candy ride confirmation. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. love all candy rides and all his sons and all their offspring. So I think that's where that nice big booty comes from. Mm-hmm. He really is a nice size horse that would fit a lot of different size riders. Uh, if you check out his videos too, I'm not sure the size of your rider in that video, but she doesn't look like she's the tallest, but she still no. looks like a good fit on him too. Yeah. She's five two and still, I mean, can make it work. And then you put a, there is actually, I think in one of the videos we have one of the riders who's like five, eight. So you can see a little bit of a range mm-hmm. on him. And there's also a free lunch. You can see him going around on his own and he just makes it all look so easy. I feel like (laughs) I swear that like 15 to 16 hand range is the sweet spot where like anyone looks good on that Mm -hmm. horse. Yeah. Tell us more about this base for days adoption special. Oh yeah. Yeah. So for September, we have a special on all the Bay horses. So plenty of options and that actually applies to both thoroughbreds and standard breads. So if you adopt a horse from us in the month of September, that's a bay, you'll get $500 off the adoption fee. And I would say that would sweeten the deal for most of the horses that we have online since it's very common color for us, but you have a full range. I was pretty surprised too. You've got dark bays, you've got some lighter ones, you've got a whole lot to work with. Oh yeah. I just opened like the all horses page. Guys, there's so many options. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> now is the time. I know. I this know. It's it. like the most common color. I was like, this is a deal for everybody. <laughs> All right. Get your 2024 makeover horses, folks. I know. That's right. 
Well, Leandra, thank you so much. You have to check out Night at the Movies at horseadoption.com. Get your applications in. And even if he's not the right fit for you, check out the Base for Day special. See who might be the right fit. And we'd love to hear about the horse you adopt next. Leandra, until next time, hope you have a good one. Well, thanks for having me, guys. So to close out our show today, we're just going to read some of the awesome things that you guys have done this summer. Uh, We asked on our social media last week, a couple weeks ago, last week, uh, what you guys were most proud of this summer, um, because it's it's September now, and we're sort of like sliding into fall. And it's a good time to kind of look back and say like, what did we do this year? Pumpkin spice vibes. It's happening. Yeah. My horse already bought one. We know it. Spicy all the time. So, yeah. (laughs) So we got some really cool comments from listeners. So we're going to share some of these right now Uh, on Instagram that barn birch commented uh, getting out eventing after years away and two, hopefully three soon finish on dressage scores. That's awesome. Congratulations. Amazing. Yes. Congrats. Hot girl summer OTTB. That is officially our girl Lee. After some blood, sweat and tears, Finn now loads on the trailer in a slot like a champion. So many hours of practice. Well done, Lee and Finn. I know that was a, a that was a big issue was a big last goal. year. Yeah. yeah. So big goal. well done. Uh, Laren Shea, one of our listeners that I also see at horse shows a lot, getting the 23-year-old Rainer I leased to place in non-pro trail against some really great competitors was the biggest highlight. Laren's uh, beaten my husband, Eric, several times. So good job, Laren. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Kaylin Horse on Instagram, two things come to mind. Uh, William and I won a monster training level three test against 22 riders. Holy smokes. That's awesome. That's a huge class. Easily qualifying for regionals next month. And William went back to summer school for remedial trailer loading this month. And guess who self loads now? Lots of trailer loading. loading I love these victories. Yeah. Good job. Inspiring. Yeah, I know. I'm like, maybe I should teach my guys to self load now too. Um, and then over on the Facebook page, we had a few others. Uh, over on Facebook, Lydia Gross said, I took Dragon Moon horse camping. We swam, galloped, and had a great time together. I would love to go horse camping. That's a great that goal. sounds fun. Uh, Rachel Ramsey, she was one of our 2022 Makeover Spotlight riders with Slambone, who was one of our uh, featured adoptable horses of the week. Slambone packed my niece all summer up and down the mountain with an adorable photo. He looks very happy. Uh, listener Lane Schaefer says, being able to sit on Lenny. Also super stoked that as of Tuesday, he's officially a gelding. Congratulations, Lenny. (laughs) And our uh, one-time guest and longtime listener, Jody Bush. uh, Papa Al making history as the first horse in Canada to ride a cowboy dressage test straight up in the bridle. That is super exciting. And I know that's like cowboy lingo that may not make sense to many people, but having a bridle horse be straight up in the bridle is like a huge achievement. And then she Mm -hmm. literally made history in Canada. So that's super cool. We love having our listeners along for the ride and we love celebrating what you guys are working on uh, and not just talking about ourselves all the time. So thank you so much for sharing those with us. And we hope to be with you for another year of achievements. Uh, We will hear back from you guys soon. You can find our show notes and links to today's guests on the website at horseradionetwork.com. Like us on Facebook and Instagram, just search for Retired Racehorse Radio. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. You can find me on Instagram at The Horseback Writer and on Twitter at Kristen Kovach. My email is kbentley at therp.org. 
You can find me on Instagram at misfitmare and my email is joy at horseradionetwork.com. Thank you so much to our sponsors, Kentucky Performance Products and Cashel Company, and to our partners, New Vocations Adoption Program and the Retired Racehorse Project. Don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network, part of Equine Network at horseradionetwork.com. Remember to set your goals high and let's learn from every ride. And always add more leg, especially when your horse is a giraffe. That's true. Bye, guys. (laughs) 